0: The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Over the last several weeks, I've I've tried something different that I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed and been surprised about. I asked you to write some things down, and some of you actually did it and actually remembered what I said. And last week I'd asked you to write a couple things down. I'm, I'm anxious. I don't know if I should ask if you know any of them or not. It might destroy what I think. But there are four things I asked you to write down last week. Does anyone know the first thing I asked you? To, Joanne. Opposition is a fact. Right? We we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Opposition is a fact. There is truth. There is Falsehood. Falsehood. Uh, is opposed to truth, and truth must confront that which is false. And so, opposition is a fact. Very good. Does anyone know the second thing we talked about? Yes, Rick. We must be truth tellers. Awesome. We must be truth tellers. It is not loving, it is not kind to allow people to continue in a lie. We must tell the truth. For all of us. We must be truth tellers. Great. Number three: yes, Mrs. Ukstra. That was number four. So you're done. Get her out of here. <laughs> but I will use that one because that was exactly right. We must display love and destroy lies, right? That, that as people, as human beings, who are bought and redeemed by Jesus Christ, it's imperative that we display love to other human beings, right? People are not positions. And we must display love at the same time. We must, along with that, destroy lies. Because lies destroy lives. Good. And what was the third thing in between those? Do you recall? Amen. Doris says that our weapons are spiritual and mighty through God. If we could grab a hold of this truth and understand that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of arguments and reasons that are lies that destroy people, but our weapons are mighty through God. We sang last week, O Church, Arise, and I think it captures this thought. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight With faith and valor. So, Spirit, come, put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle. And may that be our prayer as a church this morning. So, what I'd like to do in the next few moments before we enjoy together the Lord's table, I want to focus on that one thought of being truth tellers. Truth tellers. And I hope that by the time we're done this morning, you will see that not only did you hear truth, But you saw truth in action. I'm going to read a quote this morning. I know that you've probably heard it before. Maybe you've said it before. I don't want you to do anything like comment out loud or say amen. I just want you to hear it and then give me an opportunity to explain it a little bit for you. Here's the quote Preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. You've heard that before, right? Preach the gospel always. When necessary, use words. Um, that statement was attributed to, I think, falsely attributed to Francis of Assisi. And the reason I think it was falsely attributed to him because Francis of Assisi um, took Mark chapter 16 literally. Mark 16 says, "Go and preach the gospel to every creature." And so what Francis did was he literally preached the gospel to birds and animals which I think would make for a great congregation. Yes. Oh, yeah, the, the farmers and the cattle guys. Yeah, amen. All right? Um, so I don't think he said it, but we, we've heard the quote. We've seen it before. And what the quote is telling us is that lifestyle evangelism is important. It tells us that our life should come in line with what we say. And, and I think we'd all agree with that. Do, do you know the number one... Um, argument or, or claim against the church is, the church is full of, oh, you've heard that before. All the time. And the problem is, the church is full of hypocrites. But can I tell you something else? Uh, your family is full of hypocrites. Your home is full of hypocrites. Your workplace is full of hypocrites. Uh, hypocrisy is not a church problem. Hypocrisy is a people problem, Right? But we understand that as believers, it is important that our lips match our lives. Listen to what Baxter says. Take heed, lest you unsay with your lives what you say with your tongues. And we need to understand that what we say and what we do is important. I've been intrigued by Rosaria Butterfield over the last several weeks. She's a lesbian professor who came to knowledge and salvation in Jesus Christ. And she was telling her story, and she made this statement. When our words are stronger than our relationships, then our words will ring as hate. Right? And I think you understand that. We're screaming and yelling at people we have no relationship with. It just seems like we're hateful. And there's truth to that. All the things that I just said are true. Our witness to the gospel with our words must be backed up by how we live, um, out the implications of the gospel with our actions. That's all true. Preach the gospel uh, always, and when necessary, use words. But let me caution you now with that quote. I do believe our life should match what we say. But if we never preach out loud the truth, our actions and our lives can be misunderstood. When I was 17 years old, I joined the army. My mom actually had a sign for me. I was too young to join the Army. And I went off. I was a believer in Christ. I, I knew that I had a, a responsibility to live my life, my faith out before the men that I was in this company, battalion with. And so the first week I got there, I got off of a bus in Fort Knox, Kentucky. I grew up on the streets of Cleveland. I knew what profanity was. I knew it from my home. I, I understood profanity. But when I got off that bus, I heard profanity that I'd never heard before. It was shocking. Like, what was that? I'd never heard that before. And I thought to myself that as a believer I should be careful with what I say and how I act so that men there would know I'm a believer. So before you go off to basic training they have this sort of um, it's not remedial but it's, interme- it's an inter-inter something. I don't know what it is. It's something. That before you get there so you had to do push-ups and you had to get your hair cut and all the things that you had to do before you went to basic training. Um, And so, after two weeks of being there, I was on a bus, and the topic of being a Christian came up. And I said to the guys in the seat next to me, I'm a believer in Christ. And every one of them looked at me incredulously and said, I never knew you were a Christian. I'd watched what I said, I didn't talk like them, I didn't act like them, but there was never a verbal proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ Be careful. People might think we're naturally good people, that we just follow the golden rule, but they miss the fact that we are sinners saved by grace and being transformed by the power of God. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse number 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so this morning, understand, preach the gospel always, yes, but we must use words. We have to proclaim the truth. We must be truth tellers, and we must tell the greatest story that has ever been told. The story of redemption. It's, it's almost unbelievable. And yet it's true. And so this morning, we should live out our lives. I hope you understand what I'm saying this morning. We must use our lips. But I want you to know that there is a live demonstration of the gospel. As a matter of fact, there's two live demonstrations of the gospel. You just saw one of them, baptism. And we're about to partake in the other one, the Lord's table. And I have to say to you this morning, there's something powerful in witnessing the gospel community in action. The Christian community is an embodiment, an embodied presentation of the gospel. And so what we say is this, hey, come, come. Watch, see us worship, listen to what we sing, see how we try to interact and work out our differences and allow God to change us. But above all, see this the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And above all, see this that Christ came, he died, he bled. He suffered, he was buried, he rose again, and he is coming again. And so this morning, let me just remind you as we speak about truth telling to understand the truth of what we're about to do, what we have seen, and what we will experience, because baptism and the Lord's Supper tells us four things. Number 1, it tells us and reminds us that there is a God to whom we are all accountable. We are not autonomous. We did not create ourselves. (laughs) We are not self accountable. There is a God in heaven who created everything we see and know and experience and those things we do not know. Listen to me life does not come from non life. And we have life because there's a God in heaven who created all things. He is the Lord, the Creator. We have been made by Him. We are owned by Him. We are dependent upon Him. Therefore, we are accountable to Him. Every one of us this morning, accountable to this God. And He demands that we worship Him. Oh wait, that is so narcissistic. That is so egotistical that... How dare he demand someone to worship him? And it would be, except for the fact that he is God, and he is the creator, and he is the path of life, in him is fullness of joy, and with knowing him there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm sixteen, eleven. And so we come this morning understanding, all of us, we are accountable to the God of heaven. The second thing we understand this morning is that we have rebelled against him. Uh, Listen to Romans chapter 1, verse number 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now listen, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We know there's a God that we're accountable to and every one of us have sinned and rebelled against him. This was the great sin of the children of Israel. God had revealed himself to them and they thought they would make God in their own image. And so what they did was they created a bull that defecates to remind them of God. It is a height of blasphemy. And we do the same thing. Listen to me. I don't care what your thoughts are. I'm telling you right now, Every human being has knowledge that there is a God in heaven and we are accountable to him. Nature shouts it and he has put eternity within all of our hearts. You know and I know that this is not all there is. You know you have a living soul and you know you will give an account to God. And what we do is we suppress that truth because we don't want to be accountable to anyone. And so we make God into our own image. A bull, a frog, an animal, or something less than ourselves so I can manage him and I can control him and I can do what I would like to do. And we have all rebelled against this God, the holy, righteous judge of the universe. But there's a third thing that we find and learn this morning from our service, from communion and from baptism. We're accountable to this God. We have rebelled against him. But he's not left us to ourselves. He's not left us to figure out what's next. Or to come up with some scheme or plan. Or how to devise how I get to him. We cannot get to him. But he came to us. And when we rebelled against the God of heaven, God in love pursued us. And through the death of Burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, now the one who is just, can be the justifier of each and every person who calls upon his name. And now, this morning, as we think about baptism, as we get ready to take the Lord's table, we understand that instead of being unrighteous, we are now counted as righteous. Instead of guilty, we are now counted as innocent. Instead of condemned, we are justified. And instead of being in bondage, we have freedom. Real freedom this morning. It has nothing to do that we're religious, Baptist, or anything else. The truth is, it's because of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And now all those who understand and believe this, you and I can be saved. We can have new life because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Because he suffered, bled, died, and rose again. We now can be included in this salvation by trusting in Christ and Christ alone. And now for those who call on him, he's called us to new life. Right? Raised in the likeness of his resurrection, to walk in newness of life. We come here then recommitting to this newness of life. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we get along, we love each other, we love him. We reconnect in those ways. He's called us to this newness of life, the life that we were designed to live. The God of heaven sees us as we are. He loves us as we are. He accepts us as we are. But because of grace, he doesn't leave us as we are. And he is restoring the image of his son in each and every one of us this morning. Newness of life resurrected life waiting for him and now every believer this morning is on mission a mission not to live for ourselves anymore the old man is dead we look to Christ coming we now work and live for his kingdom it's not my life anymore it's not your life anymore it's about telling the truth of the greatest story that Christ saves redeems and changes we labor for him and we look for his return. In a few moments we'll take communion together. And Jesus says, "Do this until I come." Reminding us this morning that he is coming. And when he comes, all of our unanswered questions will be answered. All of the wrongs will be righted. Everything will be set right. He will rule and reign in righteousness, and he promises in that day that every tear will be wiped dry and will enjoy him forever. C.S. Lewis sums this up well. Speaking about the consummation, he says this. It is chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And that's what we look to. And so this morning, I would encourage you, believer, to be a truth teller. Certainly our life should match our lips. Don't undo with our lives what we say with our lips. But we must proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must tell people of the hope that we have of the greatest story ever, of redemption for mankind. But we're blessed this morning now to see the gospel demonstrated in a powerful way in the baptism of God's people and the partaking of communion this morning. And so I'll ask the men to join me as we prepare now to take and participate in the Lord's table.